We had a really stressful project um, recently that was a really big project. It was the hardest we ever worked. It was definitely moments where there was like no no talking for like 15 it's minutes. It's very dicey. <laughs> it was something weird that just shattered the ice. The music had stopped and it was really late. And I went to go turn the music on, just like scrolled through her previous playlists and I just picked one. And then I was like, maybe I'm hungry. So I remember that there was like half a sandwich in the fridge. So I was like sneak eating this thing. Cause I had suggested previously that she was hungry and and she just like (laughs) yelled at me. (laughs) And then it was just silence. So then I walk over there and I look at her face and I'm like, she smells the onions. And, and then I'm just like, do you smell the onions? And I was just like, what are you talking about? Because I was actually laughing because the song that had come on, the first line was something like, what do you want from me? So I thought she played it on purpose. <laughs> so, so then when she brought up onions, I was totally confused. And then we just started laughing. Yeah. And then it was fine after that. <laughs> Welcome to Hello Atelier. I'm your host, Betsy Blodgett. And with me is producer Jonathan Getz. Hello. I'm twice as excited about today's guest, or should I say guests, Michelle and Angie Dreyer from Two-Tone Press because... They're a pair of sisters running a business, an experience with which you are familiar. Exactly. Taking on any business partner can be fraught with difficulties and dust-ups, though you don't normally then have to spend the holidays with them. That's a unique dynamic. I can see how toggling back and forth between a professional relationship and a familial one can be awkward. In my experience, a sister is the perfect business partner. Before you even start your business, you know each other's faults. And who else can you be totally honest with and not have to worry about hurt feelings? True. We've featured letterpress design before on this podcast. Tell our listeners how two-tone is different. Well... In addition to their sister act, two-tone press prints stand out for their use of bright, bold colors. Letterpress prints are generally more muted and retain the vintage aesthetic of the machines that make them. Right, but Angie and Michelle are drawn to a more vivid palette. Lemon yellows, lime greens, and neon oranges feature in their work, as well as a rainbow of other colors. And, as someone with a mild case of colorblindness, I appreciate that they have taken a rare step so that more people can fully experience their art. Yes, but we are jumping ahead of ourselves. Let's go back to the beginning and learn about Michelle and Angie's earliest creative partnerships. Our dad was in the army, so we were military brats and moved around a lot. I was born in Oklahoma, and my sister Angie was born in Germany. I was in Germany two or three times, and then we ended up doing three years in Korea. And our mom's Korean, so that was kind of nice to be able to see relatives. So a lot of times, um, just moving to a new place... It was just the two of us, so we had to entertain ourselves. <laughs> Michelle was always coming up with things. I remember <laughs> distinctly, I think she was in the fourth or fifth grade. I was in the second grade, and she's like, let's make saltwater taffy. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we're like stretching this saltwater taffy in our kitchen. It was very good. It was vanilla. But yeah, and we had my dad had a, a really old VHS camera, video camera, so we would like play around with that, like turn it sideways and try to pretend like we were mountain climbing and make things disappear by freezing the camera and then making things reappear. (laughs) Those refrigerator boxes that we build stuff out of. Yeah. I think back then you had to come up with your own ideas a lot more. (laughs) 
And we only had one television channel. And so if there wasn't something on that you wanted to see, then you had to come up with something else to do. I always drew and made things, and art was always my favorite class. Uh, I drew a lot. And she was more three-dimensional, like hands-on. Yeah. I, I took ceramics all through high school. I really liked that. So our dad, after Korea, retired in Oklahoma. And I did junior high and high school in Oklahoma and then was ready to get out of there. And I wanted to go to art school. And Kansas City had an, was the closest art school that wasn't... I didn't want to go to school in Oklahoma or Texas. And I could still drive to it. My uh, criteria is very low. <laughs> and it wasn't until I was a sophomore or junior that I decided that like printmaking really made the most sense for me. I, I always liked images that were very bold and graphic and um, versus like sketching and uh, shading. As I, even when I drew, I made things, the shapes simplified. Lino cutting was actually one of my favorite things to do when I was in high school. And so when I learned um, how to use some of the print equipment at the Art Institute, I, I just fell in love with the process. So I actually, I started off in illustration and then did two semesters in printmaking and then went back to illustration, which is why a lot of the stuff that we do on our own, our own projects, has a lot of illustrative hand-carved block images on it. And did you go to art school? I went to school for business. Smart. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit more pragmatic, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do at the time when I was going to college. And then after she started the business, I would come up and visit and help and realize how much help she needed. I'd try to send spreadsheets in the email thinking I could help her do stuff. And then after a while, I was like, no, I, I, we need to move to Kansas City. I would have events and different things that I was doing with the business, and she would come up and help me print and help me with the events. Until we decided that her and her husband decided to move here in 2011 permanently. And that was when she started helping me full time. Angie likes the creative aspect of things. but She likes being like the sort of supporter. Yeah. Um, I, so I joke that Michelle is the Picard. I am the Riker. <laughs> and I am absolutely okay with that. <laughs> so I have like lofty ideas. And then she brings me down to earth and is like, okay, well, this is what we can actually do. <laughs> and so when she moved here, she helped me revamp my website, helped me get on to listing various places on the internet, get our pricing schemes, organized. spreadsheets organized. <laughs> um, so she really helped kind of fine tune everything. And then in turn, I showed her how to use the illustration programs. And so then she started dabbling with that and helping me with design work. So as sisters, how do you deal with disagreements? You know, as I mentioned, we were fairly close growing up. We kind of knew each other's personality. So when we decided to actually work together full time, we did have several discussions on how to remain civil (laughs) and you know not get hung up on things and so we basically just it just came down to one rule do you want to tell them what it is eat (laughs) no (laughs) well yes so our one rule is that if we're having an argument and it feels like we're not going anywhere then we need to take five minutes and kind of walk away and just take a breather and then come back and recoup. And a lot of, nine times out of ten, it, it is because we have to stop and eat something. Hanger <laughs> uh, is real. 
<laughs> and then when we come back, the agreement is that we just let let it go and just start over. We move on. <laughs> Every once in a while, yeah. it'll need two takes. Yeah. <laughs> One's not quite ready. We'll be like, okay, I'm going to go my corner. Letterpress artists seem to have a unique connection to the history of a craft that dates back centuries. They have a deep love of the textural qualities of both the process and the product. This is art that gets your hands dirty. Michelle's no different. In fact, she seems to relish both the inky process and the oily machines. Letterpress has really old roots. There are people in China making uh, movable type out of clay and wood, I don't know, thousands of years ago. The equipment that we use most frequently was built in the 60s and 70s, and it was geared mostly towards newspapers. And when new technology came on, it became obsolete. And so the equipment just sort of got shoved into warehouses and people's garages or got scrap for metal. Fast forward a decade and a half to two decades later, artists started to find the equipment and start to use it. And so in the 90s, you would get presses for a couple hundred dollars or even free. (laughs) So this sort of craft movement of letterpress started to come up because it's more of an antiquated technology. You know, people aren't making those machines anymore. The value of it has started going up. So I started in 2005 and the first presses that I got ran about, um, I was getting from like 2000 to $3,000. If you try to get one of those machines now, they could go for like $12,000 or more um, because they're so rare. I have always been drawn to older technology. I have presses that are over 100 years old and they're still functioning. And so I find their origins and how they've been used over the years really interesting. And the mechanics on the equipment is very simple. It's like you've got a motor that turns and it turns this this cylinder or this gear and these rollers and that's pretty much it i very rarely have an issue with it but when i have had an issue it's it's usually fairly easy to figure out what's wrong with the machine and then if i can't quite figure it out there's a really strong online network of letterpress printers who are more than happy to help you out and help you figure out what the issues are Paul Moxon, who runs maintenance workshops, he had a workshop in St. Louis that Angie and I took together. And it was really great. It was a really small class. I don't know, eight people or something. And it was really fun to be in a group of people that were just as passionate about these machines as we were. So we were all like nerding out and seeing how to clean things and take things apart. And I always liked the idea of creating these very textural, beautiful, colorful artwork or invitations using equipment that needs grease and oil (laughs) and gears. Um, I always liked the sort of juxtaposition of those two things. What's nice about printmaking is how accessible it is, where it's like, you know, if you go into a gallery, you're looking at paintings that are like, thousands of dollars, but print work can be hundreds of dollars or less, which is why I've always been drawn to it, because it's sort of not in that fine art world. It's very, you know, down to earth, like anybody can afford a print of some kind. And 
find something, some sort of artwork that they enjoy that they can hang on their walls. The fine art world was always a little too much for me. I, I just wanted a little more gritty, a little more ink under my fingernails sort of thing. We visited Michelle and Angie at the Two-Tone Press headquarters, a refurbished brick building from the 1920s. The cavernous interior holds a small retail space in the front, which sells both their own products and some of their other favorite letterpress work. In the back, large metal print machines are distributed around the open space. As we toured the studio, I noticed small, colorful, almost pixel-like prints scattered about. These prints, it turns out, are made with everyone's favorite toy, the Lego. Lego isn't just a great toy for learning how to build, it can also teach you how to become a letterpress printer. Or at least it does in the workshops that Michelle and Angie teach in their Print League KC Collective. We just started getting into doing workshops and trying to get more of the community involved with printmaking here at the studio. And typesetting with actual physical type is very time consuming. And we wanted something a little more accessible and easy to do. And the Legos just sort of fit that because it's this modular thing. People are very nostalgic about Legos, so they like playing with it. So, you know, you've got three-year-olds doing it and then, you know, on up to adults who like doing it. And because of the sort of modular format, it's like the images can be really simple or they can actually be very, very complex. So a community print shop is something that I've always thought about doing but I didn't think that I would have any time to do it right now. And so I met this woman, Ani Vulcan, who had just moved into town. She's a printmaker from Asheville, North Carolina. She liked the idea of like a community print shop, and so she got involved with one here, um, and then we started talking and decided that it might be something that we could work together and create. And so with her help and her experience and our knowledge of you know how to build a space and make it work and we kind of created this thing together well we have a family like all ages lego workshop michelle's also doing a typesetting workshop and then we also offer book binding silk screen and then we also usually offer every season one free family like saturday morning come in and we'll have some project we call it what do we call it texture family fun (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, we're letterpress printers, we're relief printers, and that's what we know, that's what we do. And so through Printly KC, we've been able to get our hands in some other processes and see how they're done and help other people facilitate other people doing those processes and bring in other instructors who are more knowledgeable about that. So it's been really interesting to kind of branch out. Letterpress is still number one, though. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps, whilst whiling away the hours on the internet, you have stumbled upon a video about Enchroma glasses. It features men and women of all ages and various stages of colorblindness who are overjoyed and even tearful after putting on these specially equipped glasses. Enchroma glasses aren't simply sharpening their vision. Rather, they are helping these people experience a fuller color spectrum most of us take for granted. With Enchroma glasses, a whole new world can appear, filled with vivid hues found in everything from Lego to letterpress prints. Something that we're naturally drawn to is lots of texture and bold colors. Most letterpress is a lot of times very simplified, um, a lot of white space, 
and uh, we just like to take over the whole surface. A few years back, we saw the commercial for the Enchroma glasses, and color is so important to our work that I was like, we need to figure out a way to get these glasses and do a project. So we wrote a, an inspiration grant, and we're able to purchase two colors and kind of do this research project. So we used Lego printing to create test prints that are similar to those circle ones. The colorblind tests. Yeah, the colorblind tests. For people that are colorblind, you are lacking, I believe, like the rods and cones to separate the colors, and so colors end up looking the same, and so you, you're not seeing the full spectrum of color. The glasses is a prism that separates the colors before it reaches your eye so that your eye can interpret that information. Yeah, we just got really inspired by these videos that we saw of the glasses, and we do a lot of wedding invitations, and we had run into several grooms that were colorblind because colorblindness is more common in men and so we'd be like showing them stuff and they'd be like I don't know what that color is and so that was kind of the start of us thinking about that with the project we had a test subject who came he went through a series of online colorblind tests and we took notes on what colors he had the most trouble with and what compositions and then we took all that information and created these Lego prints and then took the Lego prints to Maker Faire and had people show us like what they could see in the images. And it was really interesting. We had like two or three images and the degree at which people are colorblind varies so much that our, the responses were all different. Like some people could see were a little colorblind and they could see both images. Some people could see one and not the other or vice versa. So it wasn't always the same image and some people couldn't see anything. They say that it works on about 80% of people and that's actually what we found from the people, the small pool of people that we ran into. I had um, some moms who had 13-year-old sons and they got all teary-eyed because <laughs> these two boys that I we met were pretty far on the extreme end of the spectrum, and so the difference it made was pretty dramatic. The beautiful brick building in which Two-Tone resides wasn't always so refined. For years, it sat abandoned until Michelle and Angie took it upon themselves to start refurbishing it. As if that wasn't enough work, they recently acquired the space next door, another huge project that involved transforming the upper floor into a beautiful tattoo parlor for Angie's husband and a light, bright exhibit space where they hope to be able to bring in and share some of their favorite letterpress artists. One of the funny things I learned in running my own business is that it might look like someone has their stuff together, but in on the inside, everybody's a little chaotic. To us, we feel like we're like kind of running around like crazy, kind of a hot mess, you know, and then everybody's like, oh, look at this amazing thing you're doing. And we're just like, oh, yeah, okay, we're holding <laughs> it together. <laughs> you just have to not be afraid to actually try to do something because it's, it's not an all or nothing sort of thing either. I have a lot of interns from like the Art Institute and other universities around here, and they're always really worried about like what they're going to do. And, and I was like, it's not an end decision. You just have to decide to do something, and then if it works, then you move forward. If it's not really working for you, then you try something else. Keep adapting and keep adjusting and keep you know changing course until you you know things feel right. We hope you enjoyed this interview with Michelle and Angie Dreyer from Two-Tone Press. 
be sure to visit helloatelier.org, where you'll find photos from our visit to the Two-Tone Studio, along with links to their work. Hello Atelier is produced by Phonicalia Media. If you love our show, you can help support us on Patreon with a small donation that helps keep us sponsor-free. Or simply rate, review, or subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, where you can live a little Hello Atelier every day. <laughs>